Okay, thank you very much for that welcome. Uh, let me, uh, let's pray and then we'll get into it. <clears throat> Father God, what an awesome thing it's been this morning to worship and to praise and honour you. You're a, you're a great God. We just acknowledge that. A great Father. And um, we are so blessed to know you, Lord. And it wasn't anything of our doing. It was, it was by your grace and your mercy that you made a way so that we could know you. And we owe you everything, Lord. We owe you our lives. You laid down your life for us. The least we can do is give you our lives. And I just pray this morning, Father God, that you'd remind us of the extraordinary honour and privilege it is to know you, but to serve you as well, great God. I pray this morning, Lord, that you would stir uh, within our hearts and remind us uh, of this extraordinary message that um, is a message for all people and that lives are transformed and lives can be transformed through this amazing message that you offer all people. And I just pray, Lord, just for a stirring in our hearts this morning. I prayed in the aid and I've always prayed it, Lord, but it's not by wise or persuasive words. It's a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And that's what we desire, Lord, that Holy Spirit, you might work in our hearts and do something that only you can do this morning, that we would leave here changed and impacted and stirred up, great God, that you'd awaken our hearts this morning, great God. And so we thank you that your word is powerful and it does not return void, but fulfills its plans and purposes. And we pray that this morning, great God. You would do that in our hearts. And so Lord, um, we, we worship you and we commit this time to you now and we pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Uh, I know that many of you will be familiar with my story and I'm not gonna go into great detail, but I just wanna mention there was two key things that were influential in me coming to faith. And the first one was I was terrified of dying and I, you know, thought, you know, I hadn't heard anything about God or faith or anything growing up. I'd never been to church until I was probably about 18 and a half. And, uh, but I knew that, you know, everyone, our time on earth ends for every, everyone. That's just the reality. 100% of the people will one time, at one point or another get to a point where life is no more. And, and I really did not have much hope uh, because I knew that one day I will go, it's like I'm gonna go to sleep and never ever wake up. And even when I spend a million years there, I won't be one step closer from ever getting out. And that's a scary thought. It's very terrifying. And, and from early as I can remember, four years old, I, I sort of thought about that and I thought, this is, this is so hopeless. Like it really is so hopeless. There is no hope for me uh, for, for life um, after this life, there's literally no hope. But the second thing was this. So that was, that's a scary thought. But the second thing was this. I knew I didn't really have a clear purpose on my life. And you know, the world would tell me, well, your life is about making money. It's about getting a good career. It's about, uh, you know, buying a house, having a family, all this sort of stuff. And I just saw, even from a young age, I saw the projection of my life and I'm like, okay, so what, I just do primary school, then I go to high school, then maybe I do well there and get a university degree and get a good job, hopefully, and then maybe get married and have kids and buy a house. And then maybe I'll retire one day when I've made enough money and, and then go traveling. Like, is that all there is? But I couldn't, I just couldn't buy it. Like, I didn't buy it. I thought there's got to be something more. There's got to be something more. I can't just live this life and live these years and then that's it. I knew that it wasn't, it wasn't fulfilling. Uh, there had to be something more. And so these two things stayed with me for many years, that fear of dying and that sense of like, there's got to be a greater purpose than this. And even maybe this morning as you come and you'd say, look, I'm a Christian, or maybe you're not a Christian, you're just exploring, you're just, you know, you're here this morning or you're watching online. And maybe you too as well, there's that sense of like, there's gotta be a greater purpose or maybe you're a Christ follower, but you're just not experiencing the fullness of all that God has in store for your life. And you're thinking, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a clearer plan. There's gotta be a clearer purpose for my life. 
And Jesus, uh, he spoke to his disciples. If you're a Christ follower, that's you. He spoke to his followers. He spoke to his uh, disciples and he told them a clear plan, a clear mandate for their life. And this is so powerful because when I came to faith at 18 and a half, everything changed for me. Not only did I discover that there is life after this life, that there is something more, that there is hope for me, but I learned as well that God has a plan for my life and it's a great plan. It's a good plan. To surrender my plan, to surrender my will is not missing out. So many of us, we don't want to surrender because we think we're gonna miss out. You want to just follow that career path, that business, that money, that power, whatever it might be. You wanna follow that because you think if I follow this, then I'll be fulfilled, then I'll be happy. But it's quite the opposite. It isn't until you lose your life, then you'll find it. And until we're ready to come to a point where we truly lose our lives and say, okay, not my will, but your will, then we'll find fullness of life. His plan is far better than my plan. His plan is far better than your plan. And so Jesus says to his disciples, he says to the 11, to give you some context, Jesus has died. He's been crucified on a cross, a horrific death for me and for you, for humanity actually. He dies this horrific death on a cross. He's buried in a tomb. The stone is rolled over the tomb and he's there for three days. Now the two Marys, they go to the tomb to kind of find this Jesus. And so, you know, where is he? Where is Jesus? And they go to the tomb and he says, don't be afraid, I'm going ahead of you. Tell the others, meaning the disciples, tell the others that I'll meet them at Galilee. And this is so powerful because when Jesus, I mean, he's about to ascend to heaven and he has some final words for his followers, some final words like this commission he has for his followers. This is what I want you to do. If you've ever doubted the plan or the call that God has on your life, I'm not gonna tell you exactly what that is because it'll be slightly different for all of you. But I will tell you there is an overarching plan on your life. And I'm gonna tell you what that is. Actually, Jesus does. He says to his disciples on the Mount of Galilee, he meets them there. And these are his final words. This is so rich in power. And he says to them in Matthew 28, 16 to 20, he says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, understandably, but also some doubted. And I get that as well. I get that. I was just talking to someone actually after the first service and they said, you know, that really struck me that some doubted after all that he did, all the miracles, all the things, how could they doubt? And I said, you know, it's funny because I feel like I still doubt all the time. I've seen God work in my life. I've seen him do great things, but then often he'd tell me to do something and I think, oh, is that really him? And I don't know. And, And there's that fear that rises up. And so I get that. He says, here's what I want you to do, but some doubted whether it was really the Messiah. Was it really Jesus resurrected? I get that. But some doubted, then Jesus came to them and said, now listen to this, this is so powerful, so powerful, and nothing's changed. And he says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's powerful. And it's still the same to this very day, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, here's your mandate. Here's what I want you to do. That the moment you become a Christian, you may not even realise, the moment you become a Christian, a commission lands and falls on your life. And this is what it is. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. In other words, go and reach people. Go and tell people about this extraordinary message that literally can change their life. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I love this. He says this, he says, and surely I am with you always till the very end 
of the age. What's the end of the age? It's the opportunity we have to still be able to share with people about Christ. He says, that there, has there ever been moments in your life where God's prompted you or led you or guided you and think, I don't know if I can do that. The Word of God says that He is with you, that you don't need to be fearful or worried because He is with you, that His desire is, is even greater than your desire to see people come to know Him. You've got friends and you've got family members to, that you would love to see uh, them discover the fullness of life in God. But you know, He wants that for them even more than you do. It's because He loves His children. He's deeply concerned about his children. The Word of God says he doesn't even want one to perish, that he wants every single person to come to know him. And there is no, there's no greater thing to give our life to than to partner with the creator of the universe and say, God, I'm in, I'm in, use my life. That you've got all sorts of things on your life that you need to do, I get that. But there is no greater importance than this very thing. It's a, it's a command, it's a commission from your heavenly Father to love Him with all your heart, soul and mind and to love others as yourself. To point people towards Him is the call for the church. I'm not talking about the building or the property, I'm talking about you, the church, the body of people. It is a call for the church. Yes, we go about and we do different things within the church and we run programs and all that sort of stuff. But the very heart, the very central theme that God has called the churches is to make disciples, to reach people, to point people towards Him. This is the call. This is the, your mandate. This is your assignment for your life. And you have very important things to do in your life. But this is of high importance. And you know, there is no greater joy, no greater joy, then fulfilling what the creator of the universe has for your life. When you actually fulfill the call that he has for your life, there is no greater joy than that. Nothing more fulfilling than that. And so Jesus says to you, he says, this is, this is the call on my life. Now you work, you raise kids, you're paying off a mortgage, you're doing all those sorts of things. But in the midst of that, he says, my call for your life is to make disciples. When you work, as you go about what you do, you're pointing people towards Him. When you work in your workplace, the business you run, you, as you go about those things, as you raise kids, as you go about those things, you're making disciples, you're making disciples, you're pointing people towards Him in anything and everything. You say, I don't feel like, you know, because often there's this perception, oh, I've got to work for a church to have an impact. No, no, don't do that. God has placed you specifically where you are. You work where you are. The, the very place in which you work, God wants to use you. The very place in which you live, He wants to use you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. Uh, Andrew mentioned in, the, um, in communion, John 3.16, such a powerful verse. Just recently I was down at schoolies and part of, you know, part of my role down there was just taking some of the corporate sponsors and pastors around to see that the, uh, the work that we do and um, I took these, this couple around. They run a, a cafe down on the Gold Coast there and they're big, you know, they, they just support what we do as Red Frogs and stuff like that. And I took them around. I didn't know if they were Christian or not, but they just got to see sort of all the work that we do. And at the end of that, I was just chatting to them and, and then I discovered that they were Christian and the, the guy just said, oh, tell me a bit of your story. And I shared with him a bit of my story and he goes, oh, I just shared. And we're just chatting a little bit. But, you know, he said... Um, he said, I don't know why, but I just feel to tell you this. He goes, you know why John 3.16 is the greatest verse? And I said, oh, no, why? He goes, oh, well, obviously people use John 3.16 a lot. But he shared this with me and I thought it was so impacting because there's three, I don't normally do this, but there's three key things that I want to focus on today. That The message we have of, of this, this gospel message is the greatest message 
that we could ever share. Secondly, it's the greatest privilege to be a part of God using our lives in the midst of this. And thirdly, the greatest blessing for people's lives as we share this with those around us. And so he told us in John 3.16, he said this to me and I wanna, I wanna read it out. I found it, um, but I wanna read it out to you. He said, obviously John 3.16, it says, it may come up on the screen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And he just shared this with me. He said, for, for God, the greatest lover. He broke it down. He said, this is the greatest verse. For God, the greatest lover. So loved the greatest degree, the world, the greatest number of people that he gave the greatest act, his only begotten son, the greatest gift, that whosoever the greatest invitation believes the greatest simplicity in him, the greatest person would not perish the greatest deliverance, but the greatest difference, have the greatest certainty, everlasting life, the greatest possession. And when he told that to me, it struck me, this is such a phenomenal message, isn't it? Like when you break that down, John 3.16, just in that alone is this extraordinary gospel message, which means good news. Extraordinary good news of a heavenly Father that loves humanity, that has given up everything so humanity can know Him. The grace and the mercy is absolutely amazing. This is, this is a good message. This is a great message to share with a world that is hurting, that is to share with a world that is looking for hope. I was reminded of what John Tyson says in one of his messages. I thought that was powerful. He says this, he says, at a meta level, people around you are secular and cynical, but on an individual level, people are desperate for hope. Have you ever felt like that or experienced that? You'd know what that's like in your workplace. You'd know what that's like in the neighbourhood in which you live. You see, it seems that the, the minority sometimes are so loud and on social media and everything, it's like, oh, faith and, and Christianity and it's, there's a secular, uh, secularism that is taking place in our culture today. There's a cynicism of people's views today that is taking place. But you get on an individual level. I've experienced it time and time again. I've just come back from one of the, what people would say, oh, is a week of just craziness down at schoolies week. When you get on an individual individual level, people are desperate for hope. And you'll experience that in your workplace and you'll experience that in the neighbourhood in which you live and you'll experience it where you play sport, wherever it might be. When you get engulfed in people's lives, there is a desperation for hope and meaning and purpose and Jesus offers it all. This is a good message to share with a world that is desperately looking for hope. It's extraordinary. C.S. Lewis, I was reminded of this. He says, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Have you ever talked to people and there's just that sense of like, I don't know, they just feel like there's got to be something more. Desperate for hope and meaning and purpose. And it's true, God has such an amazing plan and purpose <clears throat> for people's lives and you carry the message. If you're a follower of Christ, you carry this message that can be life transforming for people. A little while ago, not too long ago, my wife was sharing with me um, this story about um, on one of these days, she dropped our eldest daughter off at school and then she went off to, the, we took our other two kids to, to a playground nearby and, or a little bit of a driveway, but it was a different playground and she took the kids there, our two youngest ones, 
And when she was there, um, the kids played for a while and then it was time to go and she took the scooters down as well and then she packed the kids in the car, or packed them in, that sounds a bit weird, packing kids in, but uh, put the kids in the car, maybe packed the scooter, we meant to pack the scooters in the car, but um, anyway, she left and she was nearly home and then our youngest son was falling asleep in the car, she's like, I need to get him, you know, inside to have a nap and all that sort of stuff and... Um, Anyway, so when she was driving into the driveway, she remembered, oh my gosh, I've left one of the scooters at the playground and, you know, we'd spent a bit of money on this special little scooter for our son and she's like, I've got to go get this scooter, you know, I don't want it to get stolen or whatever, which would be pretty ordinary, wouldn't it? But anyway, um, but she was just like, oh no, and then our youngest was falling asleep and she's just like, oh, I just can't drive back now. She's like, oh, oh God, you ever pray prayers like this? Like, God, I know this isn't the biggest thing in the whole world that's going on right now, but could you just protect that scooter? Or, you know, I've prayed prayers like this. Have you ever gone to a car park? And it's like, not the biggest, it's, it's like you go to a shopping centre and you're just like, you've done, oh, it's Christmas season. You're all doing this at the moment. You're praying for car parks. And I just say, God, I know this isn't a huge, you know, deal in everything that's going on in the world, but could you just please give me a quick car park? That'd be amazing. Anyway, so she prays this prayer and, and she goes, you know what? I'll go back this afternoon and pick it up. Hopefully the scooter's still there. So day goes by, she picks up our daughter and then she takes the kids back to that playground. And uh, sure enough, the scooter's there, which is fantastic. And then so they just have another bit of a play in the afternoon there. And as they're playing, they're actually there by themselves, but then not long after, another lady rocked up and she had three kids as well, very similar to age to our kids. And my wife just ended up striking up a conversation with this lady and they got into a bit of a conversation and the lady noticed our daughter's school uniform and she said, oh, what school is that? And she goes to like a little Catholic, you know, private school right near where our house is there and, and uh, she said, oh, okay, so, <clears throat> excuse me, so she started asking my wife questions, you know, oh, so do you have to be Christian or Catholic to go to the school? And my wife said, oh, no, there's heaps of people that, you know, I don't think necessarily say they're Christian or... And she goes, oh, okay, yeah, we're just looking for schools and stuff. And she said, oh, well, you know, like we're, we're like Christian in a way or something. I don't know exactly what she said, but she sort of, she said, oh, we're, we're kind of people of faith or something. And my wife's like, oh, great, oh, great. You know, which, which church do you go to? And she ended up having this conversation around faith. And she said, oh, we go to this church. And my wife wasn't too familiar with it, but as they got talking a little bit more and more, uh, this lady said, yeah, but you know what? It is so tough. Like, it's so hard. It's so hard. My, my husband's been involved in this church for years, like pretty much his whole life. And we're raising our kids and we're going to the church, which she said, it is so hard. Like, it's so exhausting. And we just, we need to live in a way that's like per perfect. Like, we just can't seem to do it. And we always fall short. And it is so exhausting to try and live this perfect life that this is what we're called to do. And my wife was a little bit confused and she kept talking to her and discovered that it was like Mormonism. They were involved in Mormonism. And, uh, and so she said, we've got to live this standard. And she's like, it's so exhausting. And my wife, you know, she was intrigued, genuinely intrigued. She just asked questions and she said, well, you know, how do you, like, and even as this lady was explaining it, <clears throat> uh, explaining it to her, my wife's thinking, man, that is exhausting. Like, that just sounds tiring. She said to her, is that tiring for you? She said, are you kidding? It is so exhausting. Like, we just, we're really struggling. She said, my, my husband's actually got to a point where he's like, I don't think we can do this anymore. Like, I don't think we can keep attending church or whatever or trying to live this life because it's just too exhausting. It's so hard. And my wife said, I can understand. That would be tough. That would be so hard. And then my wife had an opportunity to say, you know, that's not my experience with, you know, the Christian faith that we believe in. And, and the, the woman was really taken back. She said, what do you mean? And she said, and she said well, you know, I believe that, that like the grace of God and what Jesus has done for us, it's not a religion. It's not about what we do, but it's the grace of God and what he's done for us. It's about a relationship and not religion. And she started to explain. She said, she, I remember she sent me a text, just pray for me now, having a conversation. I didn't know exactly what that meant, but I found out later. <clears throat> but she said, over the next like 20, 25 minutes, she said, I had, she said, I've never experienced this before, but a really insane conversation with this lady as she just asked me question after question after question after question around the gospel.
And I got to explain the gospel with her and just how the grace of God and how it's so transforming, how freeing, how liberating it is. Now you've got to understand, here's a person that is doing everything they can to try and live a perfect life. How liberating would it be to be able to say, no, it's, it doesn't need to be like that, that God is gracious and loving and because of what Christ has already done, that you can have a relationship with Him. It changes everything. And this woman was so impacted by that. She says, that sounds so freeing, so freeing. And, and she said, I don't know if this is weird or not. I'm not sure. But she's like, would you be willing to catch up again? This lady said, I want to talk more. Would you be willing to bring the kids? We'll just do a play date again. But I want to find out, is it, is it weird to get your number? Do you take my number? She said, no, I'd love to do that. I'm convinced that this message is a message that people do want to hear. Or maybe not even realise it, you know, in the state. But when, when we discover how extraordinary this message is, it's a message that changes everything for people's lives. Here's this woman struggling so hard to try and live this perfect life that she can't achieve. And the gospel speaks right into that. And man, alive, if she encounters that, it changes everything for her, as well as those around us as well. And we have an extraordinary opportunity. This is the greatest message. But secondly, what a great privilege we have as well to partner with God, to partner with the Creator of the universe, that He wants to use our lives to bear much fruit. He wants to use our lives to, for this great commission that He's called us to, to impact the lives around us for good and for God. That's what He wants us to, uh, to do. And He invites us in. He says, I want to use you. I want to use you. That's a privilege and that's an absolute honour. There's a quote, I don't know if you've heard this quote before by Timothy Keller. It's probably slightly more related to prayer, but it's just a reminder of this extraordinary relationship we have with the Father. And he states something along these lines, but he says, I sort of jotted it down. He says, if I find in my, oh, sorry, that was, I read that before, that was C.S. Lewis. Timothy Keller says this, he says, what person would be brave enough to wake up a king of a nation at 3 a.m. in the morning to ask for a glass of water? What sort of person would do that? He says, only the king's child would do such a thing. Only the king's child. And it's a powerful thing around prayer. It's a reminder that we can come to the king of the universe, the creator of the universe, and we can come and ask at any time and at any point, and we can bring our request to him. But it's also, I just thought it's such a great reminder, isn't it? of this amazing relationship that we can have with Him, that we can know Him and there's an intimacy there and that He's not gonna be angry or upset if we come to Him and say, oh God, I need your help here, that actually He's a loving Father, that He wants to be engulfed in our lives and He wants to use our lives and He wants to be a part of our lives. What a privilege it is. And like I said, there's no greater joy to partner with the Creator of the universe to point people towards Him. You know, the amount of times I've had a just, just like I even just think, you know, like I've, I've felt prompted at times to go and speak to my neighbour and I've shared these stories before, I won't go into it, but to go and speak to my neighbour and there's been times where it's just been, I felt like, oh, it's not convenient, Lord, you know, like, oh, I don't really have the time to go and speak to my neighbour and all this, but I felt these promptings and, and, and the times where I've gone over and had this chat, it's ended up turning into like this faith chat and, you know, in those moments where it just seems like, oh, it's inconvenient or whatever, but to obey the promptings. And in those moments, and, and, and you know, they haven't necessarily just surrendered their life to Christ or anything like that. But to walk, when I walk back from those conversations, there is no greater joy in my heart. You know, all this stuff could be going on in my life, but to walk back and just go, wow, what an opportunity I had just to be able to share with this person. There's no greater joy, no greater thrill. It's so exciting. And God invites you into this and He's called you and He's commissioned you and he invites you in to have an impact on the lives around you. And of course, finally, there's no greater blessing to be for the person when they encounter God 
and their life is transformed. There is no greater thing you could do for another person. You know what the great, I'm convinced the greatest injustice in our world today, there's a lot of injustices, absolutely, no doubt. But the greatest injustice in our world today, that people are perishing and don't know Him, that people are facing a Christless eternity. And we carry within us this message that can change their life. We carry with us a message where people don't need to face a Christless eternity. And to not share that message is the greatest injustice in our world today. I'm absolutely convinced of that. We're not talking about just this life. We're talking about eternity. And God invites us in to partner with Him. Invites us in to partner with Him to point people towards Him. Just recently, about a week ago, over the last few weeks or whatever, but I've been just connecting with a young guy that, man, I find his story is so similar to mine. No faith background, not necessarily going to church growing up, but I've had an opportunity just to speak a little bit and to share with him. And he's got all these questions around faith. And honestly, I think he's probably come to faith in his own unique way. It's quite amazing. But I was talking to him just this uh, last week. And and as he was sharing with me, he said, oh, I've just wanted to know, you know, God, are you real? Are you real? And he said, the other night, he goes, I wanted to talk to you about this. I don't know if this is God or not. But he said, the other night I prayed this prayer. And, and he said, you know, God, if you're real, I just want to know it in my heart. I want you to reveal yourself to me. And he said, this is the strangest thing happened. I was alone in my bedroom. And I prayed this prayer. And he said, as I prayed that prayer, this like, this like, like the, like the only way I can describe it is like this liquid love like was just poured out over me from my head to my toes. It just poured down my entire body. And he said, it was the most ex- extraordinary thing I've ever experienced in my whole life. Like I've never felt anything like it before in my entire life. And he said, I ended up just bawling my eyes out. I've never experienced anything like this. I started crying and crying and crying in a way I've never cried before. And, and he's like, do you think that could be God? You know? And I'm like, yeah, I reckon it could be. <laughs> I reckon it could be. And he's like, yeah, that's what I reckon. Like, I've never experienced it. And he's like, I get it. He's like, it's like, it's a relationship, isn't it? Like, I can know him. I said, exactly right. You can know him. Like, you can know him for yourself. And he's, he's got it. Like, he's just got it. And he's getting it. And he's on this journey. But, but it's amazing. And you know, I walked away from that conversation going, Lord, if I could just, like, play a part in pointing people towards you for the rest of my life, there is no greater privilege like there'd be no greater privilege. The greatest joy I've ever experienced in my life is moments where I've got to point people towards him. There is no greater joy. John Sweetman, a few weeks ago, I just want to read this to you, but I know he, he brought this up and I just want to, I was just reminded of it again and I want to bring it up to you. He said, McCrindle Research did this research on, the, on Australians, specifically Australians today around faith and faith conversations. And he brought this up, and I know some of you have seen it, but what a phenomenal reminder. Because honestly, I just looked at our Australian culture and I said, no one's interested. And maybe it's coming back to that secular cynicism sort of stuff. But you know, on an individual level, people are interested. And this, this, this uh, confirms that. The McCrindle did some research around this. Are Australians open to spiritual conversations? And they asked this question, how open would you be to a spiritual conversation that may involve different views to your own, to a spiritual conversation? Now, I was blown away by this. And if you, if you heard it a few weeks ago, let this be a reminder to you, 21% of Australians said, I would be extremely open. That is staggering. I honestly thought maybe 5% of Australians would be like, yeah, I'd open, be, I'd be open to talking around faith. But 21% said I would be extremely open. And then even furthermore, 25% said I'd be very open. 
That's 46% of Australians said they'd either be extremely open or very open talking about the things of faith. That is extraordinary. Nearly half of our nation said they'd be really open to talking about faith conversations. This I look at and think this is an opportunity. The people you work with, the people that you live near, the people that you play sport with or go to university or wherever it might be, there's people that are open. They're actually open to faith conversations. This is amazing news. This is really good news. And so we have an opportunity as well, even over the next few days, even just a simple invite, you don't know the impact it could have. You know, you know I may have shared this and I apologise, but my mate, he invited me when I didn't, hadn't been to church yet. My mate invited me for three months straight, every Sunday afternoon. He said, come to, he'd ring. You know, back in the days of those phones that were on touch your wall. Uh, and he'd ring on that phone. I'd go and pick it up and he'd say, um, Hey, hey, mate, come to church with me tonight. And I say, mate, I'm not coming to church. And you know why? Because I thought, what are they going to do in there? Like, I can't go to church. Like, I'm terrified. I knew I didn't really belong. I didn't know what they did. And there was this fear in me. I said, I can't come to church. And he rang me every Sunday afternoon. And I am so thankful. I'm so thankful that he did that. But you know, after three months, and look, would you be rejected that many times? I don't know if I would. Three months straight, every Sunday afternoon, mate, I'm not coming to church with you. I reckon I've probably done it once and gone, oh man, I'm out of here. Like, oh, oh, my poor pride's been damaged. Like, how sad. For three months straight, he rang me and I said, no, nah, don't want to borrow it, don't want to borrow it. After three months, he said, right, get dressed. I'm going to be at your house in 15 minutes. I'm knocking on the door and you're getting in the car and I'm taking you myself. Almost kidnapped me. <laughs> and, um, and, and I went and I was terrified, absolutely petrified. You, you see me? We, we think this is normal. If you come long enough, you'll just think this is normal. But there's a lot of people terrified to walk in these doors. And I was absolutely petrified. And I came and I was so scared. And I said, please don't leave me. Just don't leave me when we go in there. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going to happen in there. Just don't leave me. And we went and I walked out that night. And I'll never forget. I said, that, that was the most inspirational thing I've ever been doing in my life. And he's like flawed, you know, he grew up going to church and he's like, oh, oh, okay. I don't know if what he thought was going to, you know, what I, th- what I was going to think. I said, that was unbelievable. I said, I need to get this clear. Are you telling me that you get to come here every week for free? <laughs> and he said, yeah, like it's church. And I said, no, 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 but I need to get this super clear. You're telling me there's no admission charge. And he said, no, it's church, like it's free. And I said, that was unbelievable. He said, I would come to that every single week. And my life was never the same again. Do you know how thankful I am because of the invite? Do you know how thankful I am because of a mate that was determined? No, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that this is worth getting rejected over three months. Incredibly, incredibly thankful. Incredibly thankful. The question for you is this, is that would you be too? Would Would you be willing to be rejected? Would you be willing to invite? Would you be willing to say, hey, this, this message is far too important than my own pride? This message is far too important than what I'm going to look like if I, if, if, if I get rejected. This is the greatest blessing that for any person to encounter. I want to leave you with this. A few years, oh, actually, just recently, we were on holidays a few months ago, and we always go, uh, we're up the coast, and we always go to, we call it kind of like our holiday church. We go to Calvary Church up on the Sunshine Coast. And we've got some friends there and things like that. And we go there and they just had a conference that week and there was a couple of speakers that were there, a husband and wife, and they were speaking. And the husband was speaking at the Sunday morning service and the night service. 
And it was so ironic because it brought back memories for me because him and his wife, I actually did uh, squad swimming training. I, I did a lot of swimming growing up through my teenage years and I did squad with this girl, a particular girl. And her whole family was involved, very involved in the swimming club that I was involved in and we trained a lot together. Now, I didn't know they were Christian. I didn't even know what a Christian was anyway, to be honest. But their whole family was Christian and they were the speakers at this conference. And I said, oh, I've got to, I hadn't, literally had not seen her like for years and years. And I said, I've got to go and say g'day, like just so crazy. And uh, I was reminded that I was talking to Raquel about it on the way home. So I can't believe, you know, and they're, they're pastoring in the Philippines now and then God has just used them in amazing ways. But they came over to Australia to speak at this conference that Calvary was hosting. And um, as I was there, I was like, oh, I should say day." And she didn't preach in the morning service and then she wasn't there uh, at the night service. So I didn't get to say day. But I was telling Raquel just about the journey of it all. And I said, you know, I had no idea, but they were a Christian family and so involved in our local um, our swimming squad. And she said, and I only just remembered it. And, and I said, but actually, I do remember a time, one time many years ago, we were at Hillsong Conference down in Sydney. And when we were down at Hillsong Conference, I happened to just be walking, it was at the big stadium there, but I happened to be walking through the big foyer area. And as I was walking through the foyer area, I saw Phil, who was this girl's dad. And he was there at Hillsong Conference as well. And I had not seen him in years, not seen him in years. And I thought, I've got to say day. Like, this is insane. You know, all those years in the swimming club, not a Christian, anything like that. And I walked over, and as I'm walking over to him, he spots me and he just starts to well up and I just walk straight over and I said, Phil, like, it is so good to see you. Like, it's been years and years. And he said, oh, David. And he just grabbed me and he hugged me and he said, I heard, like, I heard, I heard you become a Christian. I heard you become a Christian. I said, yeah, I'd, I mean, I had no concept at all through all swimming years that I was involved in the swimming squad and I knew you as a family. I had no concept, but yeah, I became a Christian around 18 and a half. He said, I heard about it. He said, when I heard, I was so blowing away and he just cried like he really cried it was so big for him but you know why he said I want to tell you something David he said did you know we prayed for you and prayed for you regularly he goes I would say weekly sometimes even daily we prayed for you and we prayed for you and he was so emotional and then I got really emotional because I'm like oh my goodness like as you can imagine my life has been transformed I'm like thank you thank you thank you you know, it may not seem that big a deal, but it's huge. You know what he did? He just prayed, even just prayer. We underestimate the power of prayer. I reckon we'll get to heaven and God will lay it all out our lives and we'll see, whoa, I should have prayed more. Look at the impact. Look at the spiritual impact it had. I should have prayed more. And he said, I prayed and I prayed. Do you know how thankful I am that he prayed? Like my life has been changed. It's, it's unbelievable. And these are specific people in my life. And in the same way, I don't know how this all works, but maybe one day, maybe one day you'll get to heaven and someone will come and shake your hand or give you a hug and say, I heard. And someone will come, or someone will come to you and say, thank you so much for the influence that you had. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for, uh, you know, thank you for um, sharing with me because I'm here because of you. How incredible would that be to meet someone in heaven and go, wow, because of what I did or said, this person is now in heaven with me. And I look at around our nation today, we have an opportunity, don't we? Extraordinary opportunity. And God wants to use you in the midst of it. God wants to use you to impact the lives around you. Let's not miss it. Let's not miss it for, for, a, for a, you know, uh, if I can remember this, um, what does he say? Uh, Francis Chan, he says, the greatest, um, oh Lord, please give me this. Um, he says, the greatest, I'm not gonna be able to remember, but anyway, 
Let's not miss the opportunity we have to be able to point people towards Him. Hey, this isn't a dress rehearsal. Do you know what I mean? We kind of live this life and we kind of do okay. We, we miss some opportunities and then we get another shot at it. It's not a dress rehearsal. This is it. This is it. And so let's give out our lives and say, okay, God, use my life to impact the lives of those around me. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. It's so powerful. And I just really wanna pray, great God. Um, I really wanna pray that for many of us, we've, you know, we've heard this before and we understand this is a powerful message, but I just, I don't know, Lord, I, there's nothing I can say. Like there's literally nothing I can say to convince anybody of this. It's only by the power of your spirit. And I just pray that for all of us, every single one of us in this room, listening online, wherever it might be, that by the power of your spirit, you might touch our hearts in a fresh and mighty way, great God. That you might awaken our hearts to the goodness of this message, that this truly is the greatest message in the whole world that you remind us that there's nothing better that we could give our lives to than surrender and, 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 and point people towards you. There's no greater thing we could give our lives to, great God. And so, Lord, I really pray that you'd awaken us, that you might revive our hearts, great God, we pray. And so, Father, this is our prayer this morning. We just ask that you would do that. Even in this song, as we sing these words, great God, this is a prayer from our heart. It's not just words, it's a declaration from the bottom of our hearts, great God, that you might revive and awaken us, great God, to this extraordinary message. And we wanna pray, Lord. Yes, this week we've got an extraordinary opportunity, but beyond that as well, every single place that we go is an opportunity. Every single uh, workplace that we're in is an opportunity. Every university that we attend is an opportunity. You have us there for a reason. And I just pray that you'd remind us and show us that we are a sent person by you sent by the Creator of the universe to impact for this great commission, great God. And so remind us of that, we ask. We thank You, Lord, and we pray these things in Jesus' mighty Name. Amen, amen. I'm gonna invite you to jump up on your feet. Let's do that now. And, um, you know, as we sing this song, I just thought this was just such an appropriate song. Actually, I thought last week would have been awesome, but it's cool to sing it um, this week as well. But these words are so powerful. And you know, we've prayed for revival for, for many years and I just pray, I get it. Sometimes you can just come and just sing the words and you're just reading the screen. But I really pray that as you sing these words that you might declare these words from the bottom of your heart, that this might be a prayer for you, that He might just revive us and awaken us uh, for the things of God. Let's, let's worship and honour Him. Seeing what you can do, oh God of wonders, your power has no end. The things you've done before, in greater measure, you'll do again. There's no prison wall you can't break through, no. Mountains you can move, all things are possible. There's no broken body you can raise, no soul that you can save, all things are possible. The darkest night, 
Amen, Holy Spirit, we know you're on the move, Lord. You are moving. You're moving in people's hearts and lives, Lord. You're moving across this community, this city, beyond, Lord. We're hearing just story after story of the way you're working, Lord, the way you are meshing things together as part of your your plan, Lord, your big picture plan that you're unfolding. And we are a part of that, Lord. This week, we're a part of that. 
And so, Lord, I pray you continue to fill us with faith as we head into this week over our lights, the services beyond that as well, Lord. We'd be so open, ready to follow those promptings of your Spirit. But, Lord, we are praying and believing that where there are where there are barriers and hurt and pain in people's lives that's holding them back, Lord, where there are strongholds or things that are stopping people from coming to you, Lord, that you will break them down. As we pray over those Christmas lights, Lord, we will see you literally move mountains in people's hearts and lives, we pray. So the good news of the, the gospel, the love of you, Jesus, will come to bring freedom, set people free. So Lord, come, move by your Holy Spirit. We need you, great God. We're saying that now, Lord, we need you to come to move over this week, we pray. And so we ask this in Jesus' name and for your glory. And everyone said, Amen. Please be seated. So good to have you sharing with us. If you'd like prayer, our prayer team will be down the front and our prayer lounge up the back as well. Don't forget our Connections Lounge if you're new. And a big thank you to all those who've been joining us online as well. We look forward to connecting again soon. Don't forget tonight, 6 p.m., that baptism service as well. God bless.